0: You have to be able to be a servant to be a leader. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't serve and you can't do the little things, then you're not in a position where, uh, where you can have that responsibility. I always make the upperclassmen serve. I think that's a much better way uh, yeah. to do it to foster culture.
1: You're listening to Lives That Speak, a podcast highlighting the remarkable work of Sidwell Friends School alumni. I'm Brian Garman, head of school at Sidwell Friends, a pre-K through 12th grade independent Quaker school located in Washington, D.C. In this interview, I had the opportunity to sit down with two of our alumni coaches. Boys head basketball coach Eric Singletary, class of 1993, and head tennis coach Logan West, class of 2001. Both were multi-sport athletes during their time at Sidwell Friends. Eric and Logan took similar winding roads back to their alma mater. After enjoying successful collegiate athletic careers and having short stints in the legal field, they returned to Sidwell Friends and discovered their passion for coaching. Building programs that have accumulated multiple conference and state championships, Eric and Logan have helped students succeed both on and off the courts. In this interview, we discussed Eric and Logan's time as students and coaches. We explored the importance of savoring the moment and building a culture centered on gratefulness, resilience, service, and community. So I am very happy to be here today with Logan West and Eric Singletary, uh, two of the very finest coaches that I've ever met, um, and two terrific human beings who are alumni of Sidwell Friends School. So thanks for making time to be with us today. Our this, yeah, pleasure. no, it took us a while to get here, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad we finally persevered and and made it. And quicker process. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, uh, you know, I I really have great admiration for both of you, um, in, in how you coach, how you lead your teams, uh, the culture that you set for your teams. But but let's start. If we might, thinking about your journey as it relates to the time you spent at Sidwell Friends and athletics at Sidwell Friends and the, and the particular connection um, of, of the Sidwell culture and the academic culture of Sidwell as it relates to athletics, um, right? Because the, the, the two of you have been, you, you, you were very good at integrating that in your, in your personal lives. Um, and you also do the, uh, uh, an excellent job of that in your coaching life. So take take us back to what you got out of your Sibwell Friends experience, and how um, uh, how the athletic program contributed to that, and how um, that experience manifests
0: itself in your work. Sure, I can I start with that. Well, um, cool. as you know, since uh, you taught me American history many moons ago, very good student. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Athletics and academics um, at Sidwell really, you know, challenges you and and really teaches you a lot of time management skills. I thought that um, Sidwell prepared me very well um, to go on to play um, college tennis at Dartmouth yep. uh, and to be a student athlete yep. in that setting. And I think that the coaches and mentors that we had here, and um, obviously I had Bill Budke and Lou but, Heber, yeah, yeah, who um, yeah, were, you wrestled. Also. I wrestled uh, for yep. Lou. Yep. Yes, and I think that that getting in the room uh, taught me a lot of grit. Yeah, And, sure. um, not didn't just prepare me physically, but mentally that if I could handle, um, getting out there on the mat, um, and challenging myself in that fashion, um, th- the tennis match was gonna be easy. Yeah. And I think that having that confidence and that presence, when you walk on the court, knowing that I've been through the fire, um, and I believe that I've been through more than my opponent, and I'm ready to outlast them and do whatever it takes out here. So too. kind of
1: resilience and determination. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't get that on the wrestling mat and the tennis court, I, where, where are you going to get it? Those, I mean, those are intensely individual sports. Yes. There's nowhere else to point. Right? Yes. Right? It's all on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a kind of mental preparation that you get through that process as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, um, Eric, how about you? You And now the, the the other thing, just as you mentioned that, Logan, it, like you were – both multi-sport athletes here, mm-hmm. yes, right? Yes. And so you might want to incorporate that in, into the answer too. But Eric, go ahead. Yeah,
2: I mean, similarly to Logan, uh, I think for me, even more so though, as a new student coming into the community. And um, when
1: did what, when did you come in? Ninth grade. Ninth grade. And when when did you arrive? In fifth. You were fifth. Okay.
2: Yeah. So I think that's a whole different challenge in itself. Yeah. Growing up here, in native Washingtonian, uh, but growing up in a you know very you know. What they call the hood now i don't like to say that but i grew up in a tough neighborhood uh coming here you know as a new student I, I always tell this story when i first came they introduce you as a student to your class and i told this kid a ton of stuff about myself and he goes everybody this is eric singletary he plays basketball and he's from southeast and so i remember that being my first <laughs> yeah. introduction to the community so as it relates to your question like i think sports was tremendous for me to be able to kind of get a peer group uh right away as i'm trying to transition into a brand new community academically uh, socially, uh, there were so many different—I uh, wouldn't call them obstacles. They were opportunities, um, but they were new. Um, yeah. So I think playing sports and then being as uh, a talented athlete uh, in basketball, baseball, football. Um, I think it immediately allowed me to be friends with older guys who could show me the ropes of school. That was more important than actually the sport. The sport was kind of a place of refuge. I always say that school here at St. taught me that I was truly tougher than I thought I was uh, to get through some of those challenges that I had academically. So once I was able to master that, like Logan said, time management, uh, self-advocacy, I think that's one of the things that boys in general struggle with. And I think black boys in particular struggle even more to ask for help. So I think once I kind of ascertain those skills. Um, you know, I was able to like, you know, maneuver and say, well, in a very positive way, but I wouldn't have been able to do that. I don't think if I didn't have uh, the sense of belonging through sports. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then you went to Rice, right? Yes. And played basketball there afterwards. Yes. Were you, were you recruited also for baseball? Was, yes. Am I remembering that? Yes. Right. So, um, and, and tell us about your experience at Rice and, and how that shaped the way you coach and and how you thought about um, your return to Sidwell through that.
2: Yeah, Rice was very similar to Sidwell in a way, right? I mean, it's a beautiful campus. Uh, obviously, going all the way to Texas, uh, I was able to go with a good friend of mine who's like my brother, Ian Graham, family I used to live with when I was here at Sidwell. So that gave it some comfort as well. But had a tremendous coach, Willis Wilson, who's also a native uh, DMV, uh, oh, who yeah. also attended Rice. And so oh, wow. It was, it was, uh, I couldn't ask for a better mentor to kind of help me navigate that space. But as it relates to Sidwell, I was completely prepared uh, as you know, Rice is a top-notch school. But right. I always say that that was easier than Sidwell. Yeah. Um, and I certainly had to work hard there, but I was prepared to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think my experience there uh, totally, you know, was manifested by all the challenges and obstacles that I overcame here when I was at Sidwell.
0: Yeah. To echo that, I actually I was. Like to tell the students that I thought the transition from eighth to ninth grade at Sidwell was harder than the transition from Sidwell to Dartmouth. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I, I've heard stories <laughs>
1: like that before. Right. And so, yeah. Um, well, so take us, if you would, and I'll ask both of you this question, but let's start with you, Eric. Um, so, your journey from Rice, then back to Sidwell Friends, what did that look like? How did you end up coming back here?
2: Oh, man. It was through. Those years, everybody, when you're a young athlete, you want to be a pro. Yeah. Um, and so I was able, to, fortunate enough to play a little bit of professional basketball in Europe and in yeah. Portugal and Germany for a couple of years. And, um, you know, still trying to find myself. And I was yeah. like, even though I went to Sitwell, had a tremendous education here, tremendous education at Rice. Um, you know, that caveat and that nugget, trying to hold on to, uh, you know, your sports life was uh, challenging. And yeah. I, you know, before I even got into coaching, I was considering doing a nonprofit uh, that would help athletes. Uh, adjust to transitioning into uh, normal life, so to speak, because I think a lot of guys struggle with uh, that transition. So I think for me, when I came back to D.C., uh, I originally worked at a law firm um, because I was like, all right, you know, I got to do something that makes sense, Uh, that I went to Sidwell and I went to Rice and always had coaching in my blood. I always loved the sport. Um, But I just didn't think I could be a coach and justify, like, you know, the two institutions that I went to uh, academically. Uh, But I think once I let that go and started like, you know, getting into coaching more at the youth level, um, I've been incredibly
1: happy and it's been
2: fulfilling. I found my life purpose.
1: And so where, where did you, there's no doubt about that. Um, uh, Where did you start coaching?
2: Uh, Literally coaching like you know Uh youth rec league uh, basketball, you know, eight year olds, you know, so I kind of, you know, a lot of people don't know that I kind of, kind of cut my teeth uh, from dealing with the small kids and, you know, the amount of teaching that goes into that. And then I kind of took that, took that group all the way up to 13, 14 years old. And then I was able to uh, Gonzaga notice how well I was doing. And my first coaching job was assistant coach at Gonzaga, uh, which would only lasted a year. And I remember when Sidwell called me and kind of offered me the job, I didn't, I wasn't going to take it because I didn't think I was ready. Yeah. And I remember a mentor of mine saying, you're never ready until you start.
1: Yeah. There's some truth to that. Yeah. 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 Look, and how about you? You, uh, is you graduate from Dartmouth? Yes. And then there's there's uh, a, a legal career in there. For yes, you. I yeah, took yeah. a little so a uh, little
0: bit of a winding path uh, back here, um, but I uh, I graduated from Dartmouth um, and uh, went to law school. I actually went to night school. I was working as a paralegal yeah. um, during the day at a, at a firm. Yeah. Um And you did. And did you did law school. Was it GW? I did my first year uh, at Fordham. Okay. Uh, and I was right. working at a, a firm in Midtown, and then I. Uh, came back to their D.C. office and I finished up um, at GW okay. and uh, practiced for a couple of years um, and happened. I, my first coaching job was as an assistant um, here and uh, helping out with the uh, the varsity team and just realized how rewarding it was. I actually started doing it when Bill Budke called me up um, yeah. and said, hey, you know, do the you legendary like-. Bill Budke. Yes. Les- <laughs> And um, Bill called and said, hey, can, you know, can you come out and hit with some of our singles players, yeah. you know, this spring? And I said, sure, this will be, you know, a lot of fun, great workout, get some exercise. Yeah. And I started working with them and realizing how they just soaked up everything that you told them. And um, and just the reason that that we do this. Right. You know, we I found my, my purpose and my passion with um, making a difference and getting those student athletes yeah. to become more self-confident to develop that grit to, um, and to, to really be able to, um, have an impact. Uh, and I think at the middle and high school level where we have, um, uh, you know, the, the opportunity, uh, to coach is really some of those formative years where you can, um, make a huge difference in taking a student who might not be confident in their skills, but you see something in them and showing them, you know, what they're, um, what they're capable of if they put in the hard work. Our kids are great, right? I know, I, like so. I taught you, yes. right? and I know you now. So, I, right,
1: so right. Our, our alumni are amazing. Uh, teaching students that said, well, Friends is one of the most favorite things I've ever done. I mean, it may have been my most favorite professional activity, actually. Um, what What is it about our kids? Do you think that that um, is a defining, a defining characteristic of them? What, what What How do you describe our kids, and what makes them so much fun to work with? I
0: think- there's, there's just an excitement and joy that they come to the, yeah. the courts with. And I think um, he touched on it with um, when he talked about sports being a refuge. I always thought of the tennis court as my sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So um, no matter how much work I had, you know, tests I had coming up yeah. or anything that was going on in my personal life, I always felt like when I walked onto the court, all of that melted away. And yeah. I had one hour, hour and a half, two hours to just enjoy hitting tennis balls. Yeah. And I think that the, the kids, when they come to the tennis court or the basketball court or into the wrestling room, you see that exuberance and that, um, that joy to compete, to learn. Um, a lot of them come out, um, with, you know, just, there's a, uh, a concept of, um, that I, that I read about called the beginner's creed where like, which I think as adults, we lose a lot, oh, yeah. but the kids still have it yeah. where you embrace the wonder um yeah. and the um and the joy of learning something new yeah. whereas the beginner's mind. Yes, yeah. whereas we are, you know, the older we get the yeah. more we are afraid of yeah. trying that because we're expected to to know it and if, yeah. if we make a mistake then we're going to be judged whereas yeah. a lot of these kids will just jump in and yeah and do it. So the Buddhist concept, right? Yes. The beginner's
1: <laughs> mind is where right, it's fresh, it's it's new, it's, it's open, open to possibility, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: I was going to say like I think the openness, I think the ability to uh um, transform the information that we give. I think given the brightness and the curiosity of our students and how they're challenged academically, you know, I think the community that they come from, even though we're an extremely diverse community, I think that's our strength. I think that that plays out on the courts and the fields. Um, You know, I think the kids' ability to do everything. You know, I'm always amazed that Logan and I talk about it all the time. I'm like, did we go to school here? Like, Kind of like I look at these kids in wonderment and like how are they so good, how are they so able to do so many things like, you know, play on a sport, be in the play, play an instrument, you know, do well in school, uh, community service, you know, Quaker process, like just, you know, be involved in like different, you know, political movements or whatever they're doing, you know, like they just do it all. So I'm always thinking that's the uniqueness of our school. And I'm always celebrating that, that, you know, we're at a small private independent school, um, that's, you know, with the strongest admission process, uh, all these things that right. you would think would speak against us being uh, real highly competitive. And so that's credit to the kids. I mean, yeah. obviously, I think that we have some wonderful coaches here, uh, and wonderful teachers. But at the end of the day, the you know, the, the heartbeat of the school is is driven through the students' ability to do it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It uh, is. The, the talent and the The courage to try things, right? To try something new, to be open um, and and be a beginner and and not be intimidated by that is uh, something that's special about our kids, I think. I wanna get into um, the thing that does help our kids a lot, the great coaches that we have. But I wanna think um, just a little bit, pause for a minute and think about who were your heroes? right um i mean you mentioned some of the coaches you had here and, and if it's a local hero that's great we'd love to hear about that if there are other folks that have had a big influence on the way you think about your craft and how you interact with kids i'd love to hear a little bit about that
0: for me it's um it's my dad yeah. my dad was not a competitive tennis player but he just he got me out on the court and um you know taught me off the tv and you know, yeah, would play with me, you know, until I had blisters on my hands <laughs> um, and my mom would get mad at him for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but some of, you know, my best childhood memories are going to the public courts, um, you know, near our house and just playing all day with my dad. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did a lot to give me the opportunity to come here to well right. to get quality coaching, which yeah. allowed me to learn the game properly from an expert um, and then to be able to play it um, yeah. at a high level.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say my, my dad was probably my, my biggest hero. Yeah. Still is. Yeah. 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 But you, e. Man, that's a
2: loaded, You can have more than one. Yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, like, as I reflect, um, there's so many people that have stepped in the gap for me over the course of my life that I, you know, as far as coaches and mentors and, Neighborhood activists. I mean, it started with Calvin Woodland back in my neighborhood, giving a boy like me, you know, that's surrounded by so much, um, I would say, I mean, good things as well, but certainly, like I said, a very tough, uh, impoverished neighborhood, but giving me hope that I could be the person that I became, you know, through sports, through uh, social activism, you know, watching him give back to the community, um, who then introduced me to George Kettle, mm-hmm. uh, who started the I Have a Dream program, who, introduced me to Civil Well Friends. I knew nothing about the school before you know he came into my life through Calvin. Um, so it was just kind of like these these um, these vessels that that were connected ended up being like, you know, obviously I've had some great coaches. Uh Dickie Wells at Kelly Miller Junior High School when I was there, one of the legendary coaches who graduated from AU Hall of Famer. Uh, George Leftwich when I was here. Mm,
1: George, yeah. Uh
2: Jeff Gold, you know, coach uh-huh. Coach sure. Gold was like a you know a second dad to me. Like all the tough times that I had said well you know, those are those private moments that I would have in his office in tears. Like, he always kept me focused and encouraged, so I always want to give him a huge shout-out for what he's been uh, and where he still is, you know, yeah, in my great. life. Um, but, yeah, I've had so many. Like, I think about that. Like, you know, it's almost like it was meant to be. Obviously, I had to make a lot of choices to um, to do the work, um, but I certainly had so many people who were championing my cause yeah. since I was a kid.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I got to talk
0: about coach gold as well. He was, um, he's he's still at the lower school, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) Yes. Uh, coach gold was, I mean, I think he touched so many student athletes who came through here. I mean, I, um, when I came in in fifth grade, um, my footwork on the tennis court was probably my biggest weakness and coach gold, um, you know, likes to joke that I couldn't walk and chew bubble gum, uh, back then. Um, but he, you know, kept working with me to, um, become, you know, faster and quicker and stronger yeah, and put me, put me in the weight room and yeah. Yeah. got me on the track. Yeah. And I think that made a huge impact. There's all these, you know, that's what you talked about, multi-sport athletes. Yeah. I think it's huge that along the way, yes, you need the specialized training if you want to be able to play at a high level, but yeah. you also need that um, that course. off court and that cross training to develop all of the yeah. skill sets that you need. And, you know, whether that was in the wrestling room, um, you know, with Coach Lou yeah. Heber. Um, uh, or on the track, yeah. you know, with coach gold, um, those, you know, I think played, you know, equally big, um, parts in my development as a player as my work with, you know, Bill Budke on the yeah. tennis court. And then, you know, outside of school, you know, my private coaches, you know, Mitch White, Jack Shore, um, you know, who really worked to help get me yeah. to the next level. I'd be, I'd
2: be remiss to, it's one person I always think about who probably doesn't get enough credit for, uh, the young man that I was and became. And it was through a lot of toughness and pain, and I didn't like it. Uh, but Ellie Carpenter—oh,
1: Ellie, uh, yeah—was
2: when I look back to what she yes did for me and, and yes. what she was able to. I can't even describe like you know her fight for me and like how hard yeah. she was on me and what that must have meant to her, you know, not be beyond the scope of like what her job may have been. Like I just that investment right. that she put into me—I'd be remiss to not talk about. Uh, how much she made me believe, how much I had to be accountable,
1: Yeah, how tough she
2: was. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I just I love her for that.
1: Yeah, I loved Ellie, too. She reminded me of my grandmother. Uh, she was the assistant principal of the upper school. Yeah. Um, and, and so she had that kind of way of uh, taking care of people but also holding them accountable. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
2: yes. very much so. Many meetings. Many yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ellie was a very special person. And, you know, the, the question of the multi-sport athlete is an interesting one because you both now coach sports where it's hard to get many students to play outside of mm-hmm. uh, your sports. What, what is it? What do we do about that? What's the cause of that? Is it a good thing? Um, is it something we should worry about? Um, what do, What do you think about it just in the in the sense of uh, specialization in youth athletics in general?
2: we should we should definitely worry about it because I think the science is there you know as far as the overuse injuries. Um, and like Logan said, I think learning different skills in different sports and one of the other things I think is important is being on another sport, learning how to give when maybe you're not the best player yeah uh, on that team. I think that gives yeah. you a sense of who say you're the best player on a basketball team but then you may not be the best player. You may be a guy that uh, is a reserve like in another sport. Like, right. I think that teaches you some value um, that I think gets lost when you're totally just completely centered on one thing. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like one is um I always say you have to be committed to something to get it, but you can grab it so hard that it can slip through your hands as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So I think the detachment that we don't have when we specialize, I think that's what, I think it's dangerous to specialize, honestly. Yeah.
0: Logan, you have any thoughts? I on- think that, Tennis probably is the sport where people specialize the earliest um, and there's fewer of those, you know, student athletes that are playing tennis in another sport. We have, you know, some of them, um, you know, actually right now, um, one of our captains, uh Rowan Drant is also a captain on the football yeah, team. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, and we actually had one of E's um legendary players, um, Dean Maslish, who hit the uh beater. Oh, yes. in beater uh yes. in the state championship game, yes. the first uh, first one that we won. Yeah. Yes. Um was a captain on the basketball team as well as a captain on the tennis team. Yeah. So you do see it. And yeah. we've had a couple of um players, um, uh, Mishov, Cherenko and Daniel uh-huh, sure. have gotten in the wrestling room. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to think that uh played a part in getting them to get in yeah, there and try yeah. so, it out. So tougher. you both Coach Dean. Yes. yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I, you know, I wanted to do, do this, but let's go here now. Um, uh, the state championship moment, one of the great moments in Sidwell Friends history when you won your first championship. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to ask this question because um, it speaks to the kind of people you both are. You both have a, a, a kind of inner calmness about you. You both have an ability to focus. You're both very intentional and cerebral in the way you approach your job, in the way you approach your relationships with kids. Mm -hmm. I have told this story before about the amazing work I think you did in that first state championship game, which was could have devolved into chaos. Yes. Right. So let's see if I can get this right. Um, it was Woodrow Wilson then. Yep. They go up by two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We get the ball, bring it right back down court, and hit a three-pointer. Yes. It gets waved off. Jack Lewis. Because they've called timeout. Right. Right? There's chaos arguing about whether or not they called the timeout in time, right? Their coaches all over the place, running all around. The Wilson players are running all around. We have assistant coaches out there. Yep. Arguing our case, but you are not arguing the case. You're with the kids. Can you just take us through what you're trying to do in that moment? Because that was, that I found was uh a moment of um, profound centering for our kids that put them in a position for what happened next.
2: Yeah, I mean, you have a first of all, you have an amazing memory, Brian. You play by play, um, but I just in that moment, I'm always speaking about poise, and I'm always talking about moving on to the next play. And even mm-hmm. in a huge moment like that, where you can easily feel justified and feel like a victim, like I'm big on like we're not going to be victims. Um, you know, we're going to Assess the situation. We're going to approach it. We've trained for this. You know, every opportunity, every moment we, we feel like we try to train for. Them. And certainly you can't prepare for feeling like you've been victimized and yeah. robbed uh, in a situation. But I thought it was my duty uh, to in that moment to get us like you, a good word, centered back to the opportunity that we still had. Yeah. I wasn't going to let them believe that the game was over. You know, like you can't, I couldn't predict that Dean would make that shot. Right. But I just knew that if I didn't draw up something, I didn't give the the centering, as you said, if I didn't do that, then nothing that couldn't possibly happen.
1: Right. Because right. we'd have
2: just stayed in that moment of feeling like the, the referees took the game from
1: us. Yeah. So there was, a, I mean, it, it felt like to me, a, in a way, a kind of Quaker moment in the sense where it was, right, we got to bring together, like, all right, this has happened. Right. This may or may not be fair, but this is where we are and we're going to embrace what we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just told him I loved him. I told him that I still believe that we can win this game. Yeah. Drew up a play, the, you know, a couple of options if this doesn't work. Yeah. Because the play was originally drawn up to go to Jack. Uh,
1: yeah. And then Dean. Again. Yeah. yeah.
2: But, but Dean made a play. And yeah. What, and like all credit to him. But like you said, that's where it comes back to, you know, what Brian's describing is the profound uh, intentional relationships. I think about some of the tough Conversations that I've had with Dean over the time, and he was a strong-headed kid, and uh, and I tell him I love him for it because he just wasn't one of these kids that just nodded yeah. at you all the time. Like you need kids to be. Uh, he was just as passionate about winning as a yeah. coach, yeah. Um, and so I couldn't think of a better person to to yeah. live that moment as a lifer. Um, you know, with a Jason Gibson, you know, great player files out. Yeah, the yeah, game, yeah, right. Uh, and and the, you know, one of our lifers makes that play, so that speaks. I mean that was a storybook moment for Yeah, it was from. a storybook moment.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um and and so we're talking about uh just so we're all clear, Dean Maslich, who yes. uh was a tennis player and basketball player, a two sport athlete at well yes. Friends. Yeah, great. Now this all speak comes to this point about culture. And Logan, I've heard you speak about this a lot, mm-hmm. um, you know, the culture matters, right? We know this. Yes. Um, and uh, there's this great phrase even in the corporate world, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? If you if you have the right culture, you right. can um, accomplish all kinds of things. So um, let's start with you, Logan, on this. How, how do you build culture? What does that look like? Um, and how important is that to the success that you've had?
0: Um. Like you said, I think culture is probably the single most important thing in the success of our programs and nothing else will be possible without a strong foundation of culture. Um, to speak to my sport, you know, like we've talked about it, an in individual sport, players are used to going to USTA tournaments, being on an island. Yeah. It's all about them. Um, they have their own individual rankings, um, you know, might have aspirations of playing in college. Um, it's important for us to create an environment where... They buy into a team first culture where it doesn't matter if you're playing number one singles or number three doubles. Each one of those matches counts the same to the team outcome and that we're all going to go out. We're going to compete. We're going to push each other as hard as we can in practice because iron sharpens iron. And the more we can get quality reps and push each other to be better, those rising tides are going to raise all ships. Um, But at the end of the day, you want to have that environment where the students feel like they're part of a family. Yeah. And that's one of the things that it takes time to build. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it starts, when you start doing it, it's hard um, because there, you run up against some of that resistance the way things might have been previously or, you know, people's own individual, um, you know, thoughts or goals. Yeah. Um. But once you get that and it took me a couple of years, you know, with our programs sure. to get to that point. But I think probably one of the proudest. I've said one of the proudest moments I've had um, beyond winning banners or, you know, national rankings for our, our programs or players that have gone on to college was in um, I think it was my my second year at the end of the year uh, with our girls team, uh, which is a, t- a team that that went 500. Yeah. And we were fighting to to stay in the, the upper division of the ISL. Yeah. Um, and we had a group of girls. We had just lost a tough match against Flint Hill mm-hmm. to be eliminated in the ISL tournament. And we, we sat down, um, you know, in a circle together after the match, to debrief, and we had several seniors. This was their last high school tennis match. And a lot of girls were in tears, but every one of them talked about how, what they were going to remember about Sidwell tennis and how this team felt like a family. Mm. And that meant more to me than than anything else, because it meant that. They had gotten a tremendous experience and they had built relationships with their teammates yeah. that were going to last beyond their time yeah. on the courts and beyond their time at Sidwell. And I think that's what it's, what it's all about is we're – yes, we're coaches and we teach the fundamentals and the X's and O's, yeah. but at the end of the day, we are um, – We are creating experiences for our student athletes to be able to thrive, to be able to develop skills that they'll take beyond the courts and the playing fields when they leave here and relationships that will last hopefully for a lifetime. Yeah. And that's a hallmark of Sidwell Friends, right? I mean,
1: you're both alumni. You can speak to the deep friendships that you carry with you. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I want to give a lot of credit to you, Brian, and like uh, the leadership of the school, because, you know, a place like Civil Friends, who is known for so many things, um, can certainly just hold on to traditions that uh, make us feel good. Honestly, like, so when you speak of culture, I think the culture is only allowed to change when the culture above it changes. So mm-hmm. I think Civil has changed in some really positive ways. Um, uh, not that it wasn't always great to me, but like, yeah. I mean, it continues to evolve. And I always say that uh, culture is very fragile, it's yeah. ripping at the threads every day. Absolutely. You, you have to work really hard to yeah. like maintain it yeah. every day. It has to be very, that important to you. So for me, uh, just like Logan, I think, you know, I always tell people we don't have a good culture because
0: we win. We win because we have a good That's culture. Exa- I believe that. Yeah. And what you said and about culture being fragile. I mean, I think, Brian, we've had conversations we about yeah. this. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, culture is something that if you're not working on building it and cultivating daily. it daily, then it's eroding. And, um, and that it's something that, that has to constantly be nurtured and fostered and it evolves with each team. Like each year, that's one of the, um, you know, one of the challenges and also one of the joys about, you know, being a coach, um, um, at this level is that each year you've got players that are graduating, going on to the next chapter and you've got uh, new players coming in, you know, um, that are, that are helping to mold that team and, and the, the the character and the personality of each team is different, right? Sure. You know, those, those fundamental, you know, um, you know, core values and the ethos of the program is something that we can, we can shape. And I think one of the nice things is that our kids get to take that and to mold it into, uh, into something that is uniquely their own. And that's one of the most rewarding things when you see captains that, that really take on that mantle. And we talk all the time about, you know, stewardship, right. And you know, that Quaker principle, and how our, you know, to be, you know, Eric always says, you know, if I uh, need teach the kids, we teach um, five, six tennis together. And so in in middle school, we are always working on setting the foundation. So that by the time those students get to our varsity level programs, yeah. they've already embraced a lot of those values and that yeah. culture. But one of the things that we always talk about is if you know, if you want, you have to be able to be a servant to be a leader. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't serve, and you can't do the little things, and you can't run out and pick up balls right, and right, you know right. hustle to you yeah. know help make the next drill get faster, yeah. that then, then you're not in a position where uh where you can have that responsibility to lead the team in yeah. the program. Yeah. 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 No, that's no, a no. great lesson. Yeah, it's yeah. a great lesson for me. I
2: always make the upperclassmen serve. Yeah. yeah I always feel like, you know, the underclassmen I only yeah. want them to learn how to uh, play hard and learn our culture. You yeah. I mean, but it's it's your job to serve those guys yeah. and then they'll do it when they get on. I think that's a much better way. Uh, yeah. to do it to foster culture. And like even with the parents we were talking about earlier, I think one of the mistakes that I talked to my colleagues at other schools, and because we kind of know parents are kind of self-serving uh, by nature, I think that the tendency is to kind of like try to push the parents away. And one of the things that I've done is like try to bring the parents in closer. Right. And so one of the things I urge them to do is sit behind us when we play because it'll force you to cheer for us as opposed to if you're sitting around the gym in your own little silos, you'll you'll only cheer for your kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. And also, yeah. I think one of the reasons that that our programs have had success is that it really is part of the, it's the whole community. Yeah. And it's not just the students. But when you get the parents and we have we have parent meetings at the beginning of every season so that we can set the expectations yeah. um, and the goals yeah. and to get the buy in. So that then they are reinforcing what we right. are um, right. teaching. Um, the student athletes, then, um, and you're communicating that, you know, and you're staying, you know, each week, keeping them updated on what's going on and what to expect. The, and they're there behind the bench at the games or they're there, you know, you know, on the fence at the tennis match right. you know, supporting supporting right. um, their kids. And you really have that that feeling that it is, yeah. um, you know, we have multiple constituencies and, sure. and if, if yeah. you're, if do. you're, you know, we're coaching the students, we're coaching their, their parents, you know, how to help their students. Yeah. Cause we all have the same goal. Right? right. Right. And that's, that's to make the student athlete, um, you know, the best possible complete, person they can be when they when they leave Sidwell yeah and and it's important to involve the parents into the lessons we're trying to teach and the skills we're trying to cultivate but the
2: whole community honestly I think that that's one of the advantages like I always speak about with Logan and I and you know you guys having alums back and I think that because we can speak to what Sidwell really did for us
1: yeah
2: uh, yeah it gives us some credibility you know we got some skin in the game (laughs) so to speak Uh, we paid our dues and I think that you know it's one of the things I try to celebrate not only other teams but the kids when robotics and they're doing different. Yes. like because we're still kind of in our infancy stage when it comes to when one wins we all win yeah because there's so many moving parts that sit well right, right Um i think that like we don't often learn that's one of the things i've learned to do better Brian, is like celebrate yeah because i think joy isn't a natural emotion it really isn't um because the things that hurt us I mean, when we lose, it hurts more. The yeah. Winning feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've tried to balance like, you know, what does winning look like? Yeah. Not just on the court, but just when, you know, one of the things that always struck me was that when kids kind of get into college here, especially if it's the college of their choice and there's no real celebration. It's yeah. just more like relief. Yeah. And I'm like, that's yeah. unfair. You've worked yeah. so hard. Right. And if right. you didn't get in, you'd be devastated. Yeah. And then when you do get in, right. where's, where's the cake?
1: Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> no, the joy, the joy is so important. Um, and you both bring that to what you do. Um, and I think there's a way that athletics can bring tremendous joy to the community, just as mm-hmm. arts can bring tremendous right. joy to the community. Right. Seeing um, students perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real time is a really amazing and moving thing. Seeing kids rise to occasions, um, uh, seeing kids actually um, develop character right before you can sometimes be painful, but it's also a beautiful thing to be able to witness.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the things like, that we've talked about also and getting the the, the students to um, – to celebrate and to have that joy in the moment. Yeah. Um, I think is one of the the key things that yeah. we can, we can, gifts that we can give them. And continue to work Um on Right. And we, you know, we've, you know, one of the things I always talk about is, you know, getting in the arena and just embracing the moment and adapting, adjusting, overcoming, whatever's coming yeah. at you. Um, tennis players, you know, when they get to the highest level and they're walking onto Arthur Ashe Stadium at the U.S. Open, there's a quote from Billie Jean King that's on the wall. It's the last thing they see. Yeah. And it's just pressure is a privilege. Huh. Mm. And those three words, you know, or four words, sorry. That is so uh, interesting. It mean, uh, means yeah. so much. Um, yeah. That, you know, you've, you've earned the privilege right. of, yeah. of being here and, and having this opportunity to be in the arena. Yeah. Right. And I, we were talking the other day about, um, I forget um, which team it was, but you were talking about how, um, I think it was a uh, NCAA championship game and oh, the players yeah. were coming down um, and they were, they were trying to hold the lead and run out the clock. Yeah. And. Remind
2: me, ahead, which coach uh, was it? Rick Patino Rick was Pitino. Basically telling the kids, like, they were trying to hold on and they started losing the league. And he said, you've been preparing your whole life to play this game. Why would you want it to end? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to end, but why would
0: you want yeah, it to why, end?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's
0: such a powerful lesson. Yeah. Because like, so many times, like, um, like you said, it's, it's a, you know, it's a relief when you, when you achieve that goal. Um, you know, but you need to enjoy the journey. Yeah. Because, I mean... You know, there's, it's been said so many different ways, but you know, the, um, you know, the person who enjoys walking is going to go so much farther than the one who's only cares about the destination. Right. Yeah. And like, we always, all of us have so much going on in our lives that it's very easy to just kind of get, you know, um, you know, focused on, okay, I got to get this done and get to the next thing and get to the next thing. And I think we all need to stop, you know, and take a moment and just savor, What's happening right yeah. now. Um, yeah, that. and that um that awareness, you yeah, know, yeah. to be I, I to in the, the
2: moment. I try to remind the students all the time, whether it's in fifth and sixth grade, seventh, eighth, high school, just that how incredibly blessed and fortunate we are to be here at Civil War Friends.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? And to kind of like embrace that though. Like don't run mm-hmm. from it. It's challenging, it's tough, yeah. but like we're in a position to be leaders. Yeah. To be impactful to others, not so much to just be impactful to ourselves. Like all this stuff that we're doing, this undergirding that the teachers and the administrators and coaches are trying to give you is for you to be a servant. Yeah. Right? And like and so therefore, in order to be a servant, you have to be equipped. Yeah. And so that's why I try to remind them that like we're blessed to be here. Um, and that this isn't something to frown upon. It's not something to brag about. It's just something to be. It's just something yeah. to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah,
2: And But that we're in an incredible, fortunate position to be here, uh, to be thought of uh, in many ways, but certainly to be thought of as future leaders and impactful mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here to help mm-hmm. you do.
1: I'm always struck by the similarities of things that, that you do, right? So the, I, you know, I'll walk out to the court. I'll see you have... The kids huddled up, and 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 you know, sort of calm again, centered approach. Lots of talk. Yes, you too. I mean, I walked around that track where practice has been going on, and for thirty minutes, you're talking, mm-hmm. right? And 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 listening, right? Which is to say that you're teaching.
2: It's truly, a classroom.
1: Right, and so so, take us through one of those moments where you're doing it, where where you felt like um, you've had to bring the team together. You gave us insight into one. Maybe you can give us another, Logan, too. But where, where, you, let, let's do it. Where, where not not necessarily where um, the kids are surfacing something that is important, but that you felt that you've had to deliver a message that is especially important. Um, and maybe it's a case, maybe it's a, a, a circumstance where uh, you've left a legacy Ooh. to that particular team in that moment.
0: That's a good question. You know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I always tell the students that, you know, we're, you know, losing is part of the process, right? And it's easy, especially when your program has a lot of success. And some of these students might go through, you know, where they go, you know, weeks or months, they might even have an undefeated season and they haven't felt that. And, you know, when you do have that, that loss, you know, it's something where I think it it can define you in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always say, you know, we're not judged by our losses, but we're judged by how we respond to them. Mm -hmm. right? Right. And that can set the tone for the rest of you know your season. Yeah. You know um, potentially your your career. Yeah. Um. And you know from a team perspective, I'll give you two stories. From a yeah. team perspective, yeah. I think one of them uh, that we had on the tennis team was early. Um. You know I think it was my uh, second or third year, and we had a very young team, very talented team, who was very confident and you know went out in every match and, and expected to win. And we went down to Richmond, we played collegiate, um, one of the top you know right. programs. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And it was. Everything that could happen, it was one of those Murphy's yeah, Law days. Yeah, Everything that yeah. could, happen, could go wrong had gone wrong. Right. It rained. We moved from outdoors to indoors. We had to shuffle matches on. We only had three courts. The kids warm up. They wait. They go out there and they're playing a, a tough team um, that's not giving them anything. And we we played you know, college format. We lost the match 5-4. Last match was in a tiebreaker. Remember, the Akira Morgenstern, who's now playing um, at Georgetown, you know, playing right? at Georgetown yeah. and a great NCAA career. Um, you know, he uh, was a freshman and he, he lost that match um, in a tiebreaker. And I, and I brought that team in. And it was one of those moments where you, you had three freshmen playing one, two and three singles in the lineup. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, we lost this match. We're going to have losses. But this this can either this is going to define the season in one of two ways. And, and you can either sit here and feel sorry for yourself or you can take this and it can motivate you when we come back out to practice, uh, when we get back to campus and we can work hard and make sure we're that much more prepared to go the rest of the way. Um, that team had another loss later in the year. We played Gilman, lost 4-3 to a really tough team out of Baltimore. Right. Um, but they went 14-2. and They won a um, you know a Mac banner. They won a DCSAA banner. And I think that loss at collegiate really galvanized them. But I think the key lesson is, is you know, is taking something positive from the loss. And using that to motivate you to come, come out and work harder, not sitting there and, and so wallowing yeah, and, and, yeah. and feeling resilience. bad for yourself. But that resilience, which, you know, yeah. um, we talked about, you know, ease team in, in those, those moments of, you know, getting up and being ready to come back out and, and embrace, you know, what's coming. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's such a, and it's such a life skill. Yes.
0: Right.
1: Right. Yeah. It's such a life skill. And Eric, how, uh, Give us some insight into I think how you think about probably this. Probably
2: what you've witnessed um, walking around the track. Uh, I'm, I believe in being connected, and so that's why we touch so much. I'm big on like I, if I see my team like not touching each other, like I get worried. Um, so that's why we're always embracing one another in the huddle and touching, locking yeah. arms. You know, make sure you're touching somebody. Um, and one of the things I try to do with the guys, Brian, is like really get them to. I say I can't coach you until I know what you're afraid of. Mm. Like, until I know what you're insecure about, I can't coach you. So we try to rid ourselves of, like, the kind of false bravado that, you know, could come and play and pridefulness. And that's and part of me being transparent about some of my shortcomings and, you know, athletics and my flaws. And I'm trying to get them to be open. And that way we can get to a new place because I believe that this greatness inside of all these kids, uh, it manifests itself in different ways. Uh, and that's why I always try to tell people one of my favorite quotes about uh, putting the team together is, uh, Lombardi says, I never play the 11 best players. I play the best 11. Mm. And so it was like putting a puzzle together. We've had some of my favorite teams have been teams of guys that people may didn't think uh, was one of the 12 best players in the school. Um, and so I love the fact that I'm able to teach through connectivity um, and through them stripping themselves of any ego that may be getting in the way of like their progress. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, if I, if I don't know what you're afraid of, uh, then I can't really get you to, to a new place. Um, And so I just kind of tell the guys that, like, at the end of the day, you know, expectation is a dangerous word and we try not to use it. I try to say these are all opportunities. Um, And at the end of the day, like, we have a standard of operation, uh, but we don't have expectations. Others may have expectations of us. There's so many people that live vicariously through us. um, And that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? You should embrace it. Because I always tell you, whenever you start feeling uh, too high or too low, especially if you're feeling too low, Always, there's two people your age that would trade places with you, and they're in the hospital or the cemetery. Mm. Um, so I'm always reminding mm. them of that. You mm. know, we, we we get to do this; we don't have to do
1: it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny you say that. Somebody uh, I was on a call with somebody um, earlier today, and she said, "I have to leave a little early because I have to teach." And I said, "You mean you get to teach?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because exactly. it's so right. It, it, exactly. It's so rewarding. It yeah. The so frame important. is so important. Is, yeah. 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 Framing
2: it, so yeah. big on like just. Using those phrases all the time reminds you because we're big on gratefulness. It's one of my favorite things that I'll tell you a story. That uh, game at GW two years ago when Caleb Williams hits the, right. t- the tap-in, yeah. Yeah. we were down 10 late in the game, hadn't yeah. played that well, uh, dominated them early in the year. So I think, you know, we were kind of, once again, expected to win possibly. You know, m- m- most times we're the underdogs. All of a sudden, like, we're the favorite. Uh, and the credit to them, they played well. And I remember yelling out to the guys with, like, two minutes to go. I could have talked about strategy, all types of things. And I said, all I, three times in a row, I said, gratefulness, gratefulness, gratefulness. And I and all of a sudden, they just clicked and started, you know, playing tougher down the stretch to give us an yeah. opportunity to, to win that game. Because we had talked about that word all year. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That's really fascinating.
2: We
0: were talking about Eric's teams because that's, that's not a um, a one-time situation or a fluke because I've watched and admired the work he's done over the years. Yeah. And I said I came in they they just had a a win uh, I think their first game this year. Um two by plus. two points. Um they won on the last possession over a really strong team. And I just came in and I said, you know, if I had to use one word to describe your teams it's poised. Yeah. Because you can go back 10 years, you know, and see his teams winning close games. And I mean I, I'm sure if you went through the, you know, the record books and looked at, you know, games that were decided by one possession or in the final minute. Yeah. His, I mean, his record's got to be, you know, 80, 90% because time and yeah. time again- when it comes down to those moments and you see the chaos on the other side and you know, people going everywhere, he's got his players in yeah, focus. And they're right? they're embracing that moment. And yeah. I think that that poise is is truly something special. And that's that's a gift that he's given to his his players in this program.
1: Yeah, I think I wrote um with the the um second state championship mm-hmm. um and and logan i would say this with you um i go back to al mcguire who was the the sure. commentator yeah. uh for uh, he and billy packer right mm-hmm. they were they were the color commentators yep. um during my time when i was uh, uh watching college basketball That's so this it. is that it's actually back when right patrick ewing was at at uh his heyday at georgetown yeah. right um uh the great game with patrick ewing um and uh unc that great yeah. championship game right Jordan. Which we could, Jordan hitting the <laughs> shot, Freddie Brown throwing the ball to James yes. Worthy, which reminded me a little bit of uh, of the the, the yeah. game you were just talking about. Yeah. Any anyway, rate, um, but what Al McGuire said about coaches is, is a, a great coach puts his, her, their team in a position to win. Right. Yes. You you can only control so much. Right. Right. But you put the team in the position to win. And then from there, it's, 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 it's open th- to it's, all it's kinds yeah, of, of possibilities, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah right. Yeah. Theater. It's a, it's a great way to put it. Um, And, and you both certainly Thank do you. that. Um, yeah, It's, and course. it's very, it, it's a, it's a great thing to watch. It's a great thing to watch. Um, our athletes develop that kind of poise and um, character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. And, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, Logan, the success that um, our student athletes have had going on to college. Um, it, it's great. They come back to see you. Yeah. And um, Erica, your games, right? Uh, you're always going to see some alumni at the end of the bench.
2: That's correct. Speaks volumes to not only our culture, but I think that speaks volumes to the school. I think that oftentimes what happens at schools, Brian, is that even coaches like we get we're guilty of wanting them to get all the values that we're given. Yeah. They're just not ready. Yeah. 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 yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But when they come back, people appreciate getting yeah. for worship. Right.
1: That's they right. Appreciate, they
2: appreciate all these things that like, you know, seem cumbersome when they were kids. Yeah. Um, and so that's the crowning achievement of the school, not just our programs to have so many kids come back, be a part of what we're doing, be in the locker room, be on the yeah. bench. There's not, I've, I go to a ton of games. No other program does that. Like, our like our school. So honestly, that's a credit. That's, I get the chills when I have those kids. Yeah. It's a
1: beautiful thing to see when they come back to see you. Right. It's a beautiful thing to, uh, to see uh, recently graduated students come back at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. Uh, To visit. Uh, I mean, homecoming. Yes. That's a great thing too. But when they come back, when they don't have to. Right. Right. When they come back to do something um, uh, that is meaningful to them, when they come back to uh, seek out someone who's made a different, for them in their in their lives in some way that's that's a beautiful thing and speaks to the power of the relationships that you build. There there has been um, an incredible um, role that athletics has played um, at, at a time when communities have been dispersed right yes. by COVID. By and COVID yeah. it, to, to bring people back together into community, right? The support that um, your program has received around this uh, uh, Tamika's program, right? It's really been remarkable, and I think been. Um,
0: you know, emotionally and spiritually important to the school. I think that was one of the silver linings of the pandemic was when we came back, there was an appreciation for being together. Yeah. That, you know, that we weren't before 2020, we weren't, you know, it was almost, it was just like, okay, you know we're here and we're doing our own thing. And, you know, I, I didn't necessarily feel the same as when we came back. I remember those first, um, on-campus um, skill development oh, yeah. practices yeah. that we did yeah. in October. Those was so important. Yeah. And on the first day that we had that, it poured. Yeah. And tennis is the most weather-sensitive sport. Yeah. And normally, any rain, and okay, let's clean up the balls and let's let's go and get indoors. And I was out there with, I think we had twenty or so girls on the courts hitting and we had just started we we're hitting short court and it starts raining and nobody even blinked and they and they hit for an hour and i told care. i said nobody take more than two steps right. <laughs> don't you know change right. direction nobody get hurt but they just kept hitting straight ahead and just enjoyed hitting in tennis ball. Yeah. and after that practice there was a rainbow over zartman house yeah, that's beautiful. and it was just one of those yeah. moments where you're like this yeah this is special. Yeah. And you saw it when, like, when we started being able to play and right. compete yeah. and how people came out to the sporting events. And I think just we talked about staying in the moment, like appreciating those moments and saving them because they were taken away from us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, so they you, had new uh, value.
1: Yeah. And the athletic department played a, a really important role during COVID and getting in being able to bring Coming just kids back. together. Yeah.
2: yeah. Getting, just getting back and doing, being, yeah. you know, not being a couch, but, you know, Getting out and doing some exercise, yeah, and that's all it was—getting some fresh air, getting yeah. contact with emotionally. Co- it was yeah, so emotionally, work. yeah, yeah. No, and I, I remember that, and that was good for us because yes. I remember at the beginning, like you know, because all of us are new and you don't know what's really going on, and initially you're like, "Man, we gotta come back and do this." But then once we did it, like I actually looked forward to like coming. I was like, "Man, I get to get out of the house." Too, yeah, right. And like give yeah. something, you know,
0: something, to meaningful. Back to something meaningful. Teaching something meaningful, hundred percent. And I think we also got tougher too. Yeah, so I know that like. You know, because we couldn't be indoors, yeah. you know, in close spaces together. I remember, um, uh, you know, our athletic director at the time, yeah. Keith Leventhal, sent yeah. out an email to the parents. I believe it said, "There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing." <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had that's kids. the outdoorsman in Keith. Yes, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. bad clothing. <laughs> <laughs> but we had kids out on the tennis courts. I remember brushing snow off the courts yeah. and, and hitting and just. You know, normally tennis is like, okay, once it gets below freezing, we're done. Yeah, out. players
1: say things like that. (laughs) Right, 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 right. exactly, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I like that there is no bad weather. And so, you know, Logan, you you, um, brought this point up when you were talking about the Billie Jean King slogan, uh, pressure is privilege, Um, yet it's real. Yes. yes. Right, and and, uh, the more success you have, The more pressure that comes with it, right? That's the privilege of pressure. Uh, There's also something about um, teaching as it relates to athletics that is just extraordinarily public. Yes. Right? When I was teaching U.S. history, nobody was watching. (laughs) Right? Right. Right? Only the kids.
2: You had all semester to... to, uh they only come to you when the results come in. Yeah, you and, the, it, the yeah, final, well, and final, it, you're right, exactly.
1: Rate, but, yeah. but 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 athletics, you know, we watch it unfold in real time, real time. Right, you're making uh, you know, decisions in real time. So, how do you think about responding to pressure and and how do you think about uh instilling that that resiliency that we've talked about, but also the management of pressure and expectation with the
0: kids. You talked about like the moments where you bring our teams together. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that in those moments, I think we as coaches strive to prepare them for the arena to perform under pressure. And each night before our players are getting ready for a match, I give, I probably give them the same speech, you know, a thousand times. Yeah. But it's about controlling the controllable. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah, you've right. got to do in the next twenty-four hours to set yourself up for success tomorrow. Cause the match doesn't start when you walk on the court. Yeah. You've got to do everything you can between now and then to get your homework done early. Yeah. To get a good night's sleep, yeah. to hydrate, to get the proper nutrition, to visualize yourself constructing and winning points yeah. on the court yeah. in the arena tomorrow so that you are in a mental space to be prepared to come out yeah. here and perform.
1: That psychological component seems more and more important.
2: No, it's incredibly important. I think one of the things I do is is remind them, like one of the things we talk about is uh, Navy SEALs says that uh, contrary to popular opinion, you never rise to the occasion. You only sink to the level of your training. Yeah. And so I try to remind them, like, we've trained for this. Yeah. Like, trust yeah, your training. Yeah. Like, we've done this already. Like, you know, the yeah. pressure you can't do anything about, it, but yeah. just know that we're prepared. Because usually pressure feels more overwhelming yeah, 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 if you feel yeah. unprepared. That's right. like taking a test. Right. Anything you're doing in class. Like, I remember the days when I wasn't prepared, it felt worse. Yeah. You know, the right. days, you, the days right. you felt prepared, you know, you were good. <laughs> yeah, you right, I mean? right. Pressure is right. kind
1: of a self fulfilling prophecy yeah. in that exactly. sense. Pressure yeah.
2: escalates when you're unprepared. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the pressure is the pressure. But other than that, right. when you feel prepared, you know, see it in the same way so framing and i never forget paul ghosting who was just on campus great coach uh yes and i was talking about um you know what kind of players does he look for yeah and he was telling me a story about kobe bryant and one of the things that he paul himself used to do when he was in corporate america he said i would ask a candidate do you hate to lose or you love to win and that would be kind of like his deciding factor and he always wanted to hate to lose people and he said he saw a, a video of Kobe saying, a reporter asked him the same question. And Kobe said, neither. And the reporter kind of was incredulous because he was like, it's got to be one or the other. Yeah, right. And Kobe goes, I just love to figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is such a Quaker response, too, isn't it, right? That the binary is not always what we're thinking of, right. right? This is how do we find a third way? Right. Right? How do we find another way? And we work together. That's to spoke find to way? That spoke yeah. to me. That well, spoke
2: to me. Because I've always thought I was a hate to lose guy. Yeah. And I tried to tra- I tried to transform into love to win because that's that joy and celebration. Yeah, yeah. And then when Paul said that to me over Thanksgiving break, I was like, that's it right there.
1: Yeah. I want to
2: find players that love to play. Like, yeah. I don't want the players that, I mean, you, it's inevitable to want things and have goals. But the biggest thing is like, do you have a
0: love affair with playing? Yeah. Because that's the player who's gonna embrace the process and they're process oriented, not outcome oriented. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So they're they're not concerned about the end result. They're yeah. concerned about the process and the yeah. journey and getting and getting there. Yeah.
1: So let's think just a minute here about legacy. Not that either one of you are going anywhere. <laughs> okay. But um but but let let's think of for a minute if if you could about Um, you know, imagine you're here 10 years from now. What's a note to self that you would like to give, right? So 10 years from now, this thing is gonna go into the archives. Um, And 10 years from now, you we're gonna pull it out and play it back for you. What's a note to self that you would like to dictate um, about where you, you hope you will be, let's say
0: where your program might be, where the school would be 10 years from now remember why you do this. Hmm. Remember why you wake up every morning and and come out here to, to be on the court. Um, and like Eric said, to be in, in our classrooms, you know, because the court really is our classroom right, with absolutely. these kids and our opportunity. You know, we've touched on all, you know, the opportunities we have, right? Being grateful for the opportunity to come out and have another day with the student athletes, have a chance to make an impact. And just, you know, whether we're here for five, 10, 15, however many more years, right. Never forgetting how special each day is and staying in that moment and, um, just embracing the joy of having the opportunity to make an impact. And, you know, as far as looking at where the programs would be, um, more so than however many banners get hung on the wall or don't, you know, um, being able to get the next generation of Sidwell, alumni to walk into the world prepared, to make a difference, to be leaders, uh, and to be the best possible version of themselves. Beautiful. Great answer, great answer.
2: Um, For me, similarly, I think that I would wanna be as passionate as I've been uh, about the job and the the impact and the opportunities that I have with young people. Um, I would hope our program still exhibited the class, uh, the poise and the character uh, that it's been showing for the last you know, years I've been here. Um, I would also hope that beyond the impact that I've had on my personal team, just my impact that hopefully I have on the community. Sometimes you never know. Uh, you're not seeking that right. kind of approval. But I hope that all the kids that were here from year one to what would be year 25 would have had some memories that they took out to the world that they were in. I was in the building that day this happened. And You know, Coach Singletary was always this way to me, you know, and, you know, I would hope that I, my impact was even greater than the basketball program. I wouldn't want to be pigeonholed into that silo, even though that's my, my space and I love it. Yeah. Um, I would hope that, you know, people took away um, what I take away. I always tell the kids I get to win twice um, as a coach and as an alum, you know, get to feel good about uh, the institution that was so good to me and continues to be good to me as an adult. Um, But I would hope that, you know, as my friends that I went to school with that live in New York and all these different places, and they're watching the games uh, on the streaming and they're so proud. Yeah. And they're We've got so, a New York
1: event coming up, by yeah, the way, right? Yeah, we yeah. do, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, they're so proud. And uh, I would hope that, you know, in 10 years that would continue to be where we put forth uh, a whole yeah. community of boys and girls that just feel great about Civil War Friends in so many capacities. And I hope to have a small part to do with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, great answers. I really enjoyed the time. Uh, today, Thank you for making time for it. Uh, I think you've heard me say this before, but uh, coaches were such an important impact on me. My, okay. Had such an important impact on me in my life when, when I was in high school. And um, I uh, would have loved to be to have been coached by um, both of you. So um, thank you for what you do for Sidwell, friends. Thank you for what you do for our students. Um, we're very lucky to have you.
2: Thank you for your leadership. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Take care, friends. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Thanks.